You're listening to You Play A What, a podcast by a musician for musicians. My name is Vincent and I play the euphonium. Join me as I sit down with successful musicians to talk about their specialization, inspirations, and career developments. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 33 of You Play A What. I hope all of you are doing well. So for this week's interview with Nicholas and Terence, it will once again be a two-part interview. Simply because I was enjoying the chat so much, it ran on for much longer than expected. But before we get into the contents of the episode of this week, I'd like to apologize for uploading this episode a few hours later than usual because of slight technical issues. So the long story short, once we ended the interview, we realized that we had lost the initial hour of Nicholas's footage, which was a huge part to the interview. So I got in touch with a technical support, yada yada, uh, which only got back to me on Monday evening. We tried to recover the track, but it was not successful. But uh, when I went back to download the new tracks again, I found out that I had access to Nicholas's uh, lost footage for the first hour. So all is good, but it just means that it took me a little bit longer to put the entire episode together. So back to the episode Nicholas and Terence are co-hosts of their very own podcast, Crafting Musical Lives, where they interview music biographers, very interesting topics that they discuss on that podcast. So I recommend for all of you to check that out. Uh, Both of them are currently based in the UK, Terence in London, Nicholas in Oxford. On this episode, we spoke about how they have been coping with the current situation in the UK, their individual musical journey and what it means to embark on the path of studying music academically. Enough from me now. Please enjoy this episode of You Play A What with Nicholas and Terence. Would you also say that one of the main goals of the book was to um, communicate like the complications of writing history? Um, because you did, you did highlight, um, well, for example, the different start times of uh, British Tower's Academy and how different people can say different things about those. Yes, and... I think I find that fascinating in terms of how we present certain historical narratives, um, some in favour of others, and actually trying to give that sense that there are lots of different ways in which we can tell these histories is really important um, and helps to destabilise some of the most common assumptions about historical figures such as Beethoven. My guests today and I share several similarities between us. We studied in the same school here in Singapore and we went on to continue our studies and chase the dream in the UK, though we were never in the same place at the same time together. And they recently started their very own podcast. Welcome to the show, Nicholas and Terence. How are the both of you doing today? Hello. Hello, Vincent. (laughs) Um, Hi, Vincent. Yeah, (laughs) I'm good. I'm certainly doing fine. Yeah, thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah, absolute pleasure to have both of you on the show today. And thank you for taking time to speak to me. And of course, without telling you, you have just been through the very first chemistry test as co-host of a podcast. Right? Oh, so gosh, I yeah. asked a question, <laughs> didn't direct it to anyone. And yeah, uh, but it was okay. It was okay. Uh, small room, 
to be desired, but mm. it was fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we'll okay, get we better. Have to be on, we, we have to be on our toes now because you know, <laughs> we don't know when we'll be tested again. But yeah, sure, well, go on, it, Vincent. It, <laughs> yeah, it's only going to go on for the next hour or so, mm. right? So no pressure <laughs> there, right? Uh, so really lovely to have both of you on the show uh, today. So once again, thank you very much for coming on. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I must say first is that Nicholas, yeah, uh, your accent mm-hmm. is incredibly posh right now, Ooh. and actually it's making me <laughs> a, a little bit nervous to speak to you. Why? So uh, of course, uh, of course, we kind of reconnected uh, just maybe a couple of months ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, of and you know, I think when I was living in the UK, mm-hmm. and automatically. If you, you if you live there for an extended period of time, it's normal yeah. that we do some kind of like yeah. uh, code switching, and sometimes for very simple reasons. I think the local people can understand us a little bit better if mm. we speak uh, in a particular with a particular uh, type of like inflection and, yeah. and things like that. Uh, how has it been for you when you return back to Singapore and when you met your friends? Um, funny thing is, um, when I was back in Singapore, no one actually pointed it out. Um, like it wasn't the first thing that they said. Hey, I um, did. <laughs> well, okay, but it wasn't like what's wrong with you, kind of. You know, it was just like, oh, it sounds sounds a bit different. But I guess people also kind of expected it. Like people expect me to sound a bit different as well because I've been, uh, I've been away for uh, like three years, and I've I just told you just now that I've uh, when I was doing my undergrad, I didn't actually return home at all. So. Mm. Uh, yeah so it was three years of um, just in being in the UK and a lot of my friends because I study music in a university in a conservatory which we'll probably get onto that later but in a university it's very um, mu- doing music in a university is very much just uh, local students we don't really have a lot of international students in the music cohort at universities so a lot of my so mm. I may hang out with Brits and I found it a lot easier to just um, speak the way they do and I also feel that when I first arrived I do feel like it was quite weird to speak differently when they speak to me like to respond in a different manner feels a bit awkward so I just thought okay, fine I'll just assimilate yeah <laughs> yeah people Fair probably enough. accuse me um of you know being assimilationist or whatsoever but whatever you know put yourself in my shoes <laughs> yeah but I, no it's absolutely fine and I completely understand that yeah. and I think you know I I reckon that your friends who mm-hmm. met up with you probably felt like you were a character of Harry Potter but they're just like maybe uh, a little bit excited and they just didn't like, yeah, wanted to like embarrass you or anything. Right? <laughs> no, definitely not. Right. Yeah. So uh, guys, of course, uh, we know that the, the current situation right now in the UK is not fantastic. Mm-hmm. And how are both of you holding up? And has there been any change to your day-to-day activity since the lockdown? Uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about London first now, Terence. Yeah, well, in, in London, I mean, if you go out on the streets, well, it, it still feels kind of normal. A lot of people are still going out and about. Well, it's London, one of the, one of the major cities of the world. But, mm. well, um, I mean, of course, shops are closed, you know. So, I mean, the insides of buildings, especially if you go to supermarkets, they're, they're definitely, definitely emptier. So, there's this strange kind of feeling of something's not quite right when when one goes out but other than that um, i think one can be lured into a false sense of um, normalcy mm-hmm. um, mm. which i don't yeah. know maybe 
can can in in a way explain you know why why some people don't be, don't quite believe in it or they think it's a hoax or etc. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. hard to believe that things are uh, that bad when you walk on the street. Mm. Yeah, um, I think I think mm. um, like Brits and probably other people from other parts of the world have just been like, you know, we've had enough of this, so <laughs> let's just try to, you know, get back to normal. Even though, um, yeah, like there are COVID. still cases around. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Really for different. myself, well, I mean, um, I mean, how how has my lifestyle changed here? You know, I mean, pre-COVID times when I was. Um, studying here. I mean, I started studying here in the mid, uh, late twenty nineteen. Mm. So I would spend the first academic year out and about a lot. I explored quite a bit mm. of London, although not quite much outside of London. But I I went for a lot of performances. I would walk yeah. everywhere. I mean, that's the fantastic thing about the weather here. You can walk yeah. everywhere. I walked like hours mm. on end, you know, but. Um, yeah. yeah, so all that's changed since COVID struck. Um, so I'm I'm mostly confined to my room now. Not that I actually mind because I, I think of myself as quite an introvert, actually. So mm. <laughs> I, I like to tell people that I, I stay in my room like 95% of the time and only 5% of the time where I go out is to get um, groceries for the week. And that, I do that once a week. Yeah, I mean... yeah. Um, I guess if 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 college was um running normally with uh, performance opportunities going on, I would still go back there. But I mean that's been canned for now all the way mm. until maybe mid Feb or March. We don't know yet. So yeah, I'm yeah. comfortable in my room for now. Yeah. Mm. And how has the for you as a composer? I guess the correspondence between you and your teachers uh could could be done easier through say emails or zoom calls as compared to uh instrumentalists having a lesson with their tutor and then maybe through the internet it's the sound quality is not quite an accurate representation of what the student is playing and this the teacher might not be able to critique the the playing as accurately so uh, are there any parts of sort of this kind of face-to-face interaction with your tutors that you kind of miss well um it's true that for me as a as a composition major, it's some parts of this um, online learning thing with my um, composition teacher are actually made easier in some ways because um, I can just we can just send each other links um, of stuff to look at to listen to during the lesson. I can send him sketches straight away, but. Yeah, one one thing that has definitely gone out of the window is you know him demonstrating stuff on the piano, like certain harmonies, um, or or certain kind of ways of dealing with musical material. I mean, he he still does that, or through the internet. I mean, he has a piano beside him when he teaches me, but it's mm. it's just not the same. I mean, the sound is of course of a poor quality, but yeah, I I, I guess I do have it somewhat easier you could say than an instrumental major because i don't have to demonstrate my instrument over the internet which uh, a lot of my friends have um not exactly complained but i mean they're resigned to having this poor quality of lessons yeah because yeah it's that or nothing right at the end of the day yeah 
Yeah. So uh, how's uh, Oxford looking then, Nicholas? Um, well, in terms of how it would have been different if it weren't for COVID, I don't think much actually, because um, personally, for my course, we do a lot of uh, personal like study, and you know, like own, you do your own reading and and uh, your supervisions, as in your meetings with your supervisors. Then uh, we're not we, we're not performing or anything. We just like are literally speaking to each other. Um, so it's, mm. it's just a difference uh, between. Uh, seeing someone in in real life and seeing someone online. Um, apart from that, the content doesn't really um, differ. Um, I mean, as compared to uh, non-COVID times, I it would be the same as Terence. I'm not attending uh, as many performances or any performance really. <laughs> um, mm. uh, yeah, um, and I used to do that. Like I used to attend like concerts twice a week, and um, there are also performances that I would have been involved in in ensembles. Um, the last term I did, uh, so yeah, so this is something that COVID has, well, this lockdown particularly has affected because last term uh, we weren't really in a lockdown that much. Uh, we were only in a lockdown between November and De- uh, December. So between October and November, I was singing in a chapel choir. Um, so we did do mm. like services and we even recorded a Christmas carol concert together. Yes. Um, mm. But socially distanced and with masks and everything. We had choir masks, which made us look like ducks. Um, <laughs> apart from that, uh, I, I wasn't really doing any other, but there was still some form of musical activity, practical music, uh, musical activity. Um, but because of lockdown this term, we are not doing anything, unfortunately. Um, mm. So yeah, that's a bit of a... Um, a bit annoying, but um, hopefully, you know, um, because we have three terms, the next term would be better. Um, yeah, I mean, apart from that, I don't think there's much of a difference. <laughs> right, right. And uh, interesting, you should mention uh, choir masks because mm. uh, just so you know, from uh, with my knowledge at least, mm-hmm. is that the secondary school choirs hasn't started their rehearsals yet. Okay. Since it, it's coming close to a year now. Mm-hmm. So what is this choir mask and how is it kind of different from an, a normal one? So it it's like <laughs> it's like a beak. <laughs> right. Okay. Um like uh it's yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> so it's like a um it's like a uh uh so it's not it doesn't lay flat on your nose and your mm-hmm. mouth. It sort of uh, has a like it there's a, a sort of a chamber um, and yeah. it protrudes out, so it's quite solid. Um, but you know, you can wash it and stuff. Um, mm. and then yeah, uh, so you can feel that obviously, uh, you 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 can move your mouth um more, so you can pronounce words more. I think that's sort of the purpose to, to to not compromise the the you know any not compromise diction or even like you know uh the space of the of the mouth because you know the the when you sing, you do change the shape of your mouth, and um, if if you have a mask that's that lies flat on the mouth, it might be quite um, difficult to do that. Um, mm. So yeah, I think I think it's 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 meant for singing actually. Um, so uh, oh, yeah, yeah, and and, and it, um, it it matches um, the color of our <laughs> of our cassock. So that's a nice addition to the to the uniform, I guess. <laughs> that's really the important point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we do we do do live streams and you know recorded the Christmas concert. So I think that the 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 unif- the uniformity and the the looks does matter to a certain extent. Um, yeah, so it's nice to have them. 
Um, right. Kind of sorry, it's just so trivial, but <laughs> <laughs> but there we are. You know, we have nothing, nothing, nothing else really to worry about apart from that. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And how about uh, Terence for yourself? Um, have you been involved in any sort of uh, digital concerts or performances or productions, uh, both in the UK or say back in Singapore? Well, um, when I returned to Singapore from the UK last year in March, I mean, there was a period, you know, circuit breaker in Singapore and when people didn't quite know what to do and then they found all kinds of new loves like baking, <laughs> for example. <laughs> so yeah, for right. myself, well, I just picked up my set of um, four recorders. I have, I have a number of recorders at home. I mean, the instrument, not the audio device. So um, I started playing like, duets or quartets and that kind of stuff with myself and I thought that you know um, I could use this technology to do what some other people are doing and put together a video of myself playing all mm. four instruments at the same time and eventually that led to um, my collaboration with my secondary school alumni band where we put out uh, over the course of a few months two videos of um, a number of us playing some pop music arranged by myself and someone else and mm. the interesting part of that was that I, I actually got to learn video editing because that's not something I've uh, ever done quite extensively before so I learned like Final mm. Cut Pro like <laughs> literally in like one one week yeah and, and crash course right yeah, yeah that was crazy mm. man but yeah I, yeah I I did that and the resulting video I, I think was okay yeah but mm. it was quite the experience so mm. um yeah. apart from apart from that and I also took part in I, I think in Singapore yeah, yeah there's this band directors association video thingy where you sign up for it and then they send you a part you record yourself on the part with video and audio and they send it in and then they compile it into this massive um ah okay i, I i'm not sure if like some a... of you might have seen the results before those listening but when um it's mm. i think it's one of those national day songs i can't remember mm. what was it yeah the huge collage right? it's yeah. called me singapore something like that yeah yeah that's the one that's yeah it. so mm. I, yeah. I i played clarinet okay. for that mm. <laughs> there you go You've also been like brushing out on your recorder skills, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> it's been quite impressive. I mean, have you seen yeah. some of the videos that you posted on Instagram that like that sort of recorder skills is like <laughs> puts mm. all of us to shame, really? Uh, but, I mean, there's, there's a lot of practice. I mean, I can uh, definitely not. I I definitely can't compare to you know those historical performance majors that I have in. I, I see mm. live. I saw live in college. I mean, I made friends with one, wrote a piece for her as well, and she's an amazing recorder player. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, but that was in, in itself inspiring. So, I, of, of course, I took way longer to practice those very same parts that my counterparts were taking a much shorter time to do so. And, yeah. and well, I'm pretty I, sure we don't have the same bar set for ourselves. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it maybe for, for Terence, we are talking weeks. For us, we are talking years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just yeah, figure out a scale or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, after I got back to the UK, I mean, I, I came back just in time for... Uh, kind of a live stream of a performance of my work um, oh. in college uh, alongside mm. other college composers as well. Mm. And there's supposed to be more actually this month, next month, but well, yeah, or canned yeah. for the moment. Yeah, but yeah. you know, 
if we're, we're talking about live performances, well, well none of that, I guess. I, I've taken part nor mm. seen any live performances since last year, March. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really kind of few and far between nowadays, really. That yeah, it sort seems of, quite uh, live so real, really, because I, I remember, yeah. I still remember the, the, you know, the week before I returned to Singapore in March, I was still watching a concert at the Royal Festival Hall. That weekend itself, uh, it was a mm. Japanese mm. drumming company that flew all the way from Japan. And, right. Uh, yeah, and I didn't expect that, you know, within the next week, I would be like so many other international students just flying back and then you know that would be the end of yeah that would be the last concert you've attended for quite a while yeah it's almost been a year actually yeah Mm, exactly yeah i mean i've not sat in a in a band for for the longest time Mm. you know yeah if it's february i think if we arrive at chinese new year and i still don't have a band rehearsal uh it will be like a year since mm. I last played in a band. So yeah, it's I was been, just, just yeah. going to ask, you were saying that choirs yeah. have not started, so neither have bands? Yeah. Uh, bands have started. Oh, okay. That's yeah. interesting. The, the <laughs> thing, yeah, the, the thing is, um, the for bands, yeah. I think we we can exist in a slightly smaller group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so right now, we have like groups of eights and stuff like that. We are all broken into small groups. Oh, okay, and, okay. Yeah. Okay. You're not wearing and, masks with like holes in them, are you? Uh, no, no, no. Good, good. Yeah. I've seen those yeah. and I was like, how is this a thing? But <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so it's a bit hard to say now, isn't it? Uh, a lot of things are still kind of up in the air, but what, what does, uh, or initially, uh, what is 2021 going to entail for, for each of you? Yeah, maybe Nicholas. Uh, well, graduating. <laughs> That's hey, one. happy days. Happy days, right? Well, yeah. Um, happy for like momentarily because I still don't know what's happening afterwards. Um, but uh, yeah, that would be sort of the chief goal for this year. Um, mm. I mean, I guess you know, fortunately, I don't do a practical course that sounds horrible but i don't do a practical course so (laughs) so um yeah like performance opportunities being um curtailed is not like a huge it doesn't have a huge impact on my um academic career um Mm -hmm. so i can still go on and do my what i meant to do for my course and hopefully i would graduate well i probably will (laughs) but i don't want to say things at you know 100 percent so (laughs) <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah uh terence yourself well similarly i'm also graduating this year even though nice my, nice. my, my course is, has been two years instead of one like mm. nicholas and the mm. thing is i'm under uh, uh, i mean I, i've been supported by the national arts council scholarship in singapore mm-hmm. so the thing is um i would have to return to singapore to work in the arts industry what exactly as well that that's the thing i mean i have mm-hmm. completely no idea as of yet but it, i hope it'll be exciting i mean especially seeing how the art scene has um kind of restarted getting along somewhat in singapore as compared to right here where it's mm-hmm. always started mm-hmm. and stopping so I'm, I'm i'm kind of looking forward to see what yeah. future will bring mm. Mm. for sure I, I think you for you no problem for you to just kind of slot back in into yeah. the the yeah. scene here in I think they would Singapore. expect you to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 
So yeah, all good stuff. And I, of course, I wish all of you the very best in Thank your you. remaining academic year. Mm. Uh, it's been a while since I uh, had to study, but <laughs> you know, uh, and I, I hope that uh, yeah, you know, you'll you'll be able to graduate, get uh, good grades, and then you know, be able to move on to. Uh, things that you are truly passionate about. Right? You sound like you're giving us like a Chinese New Year wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to practice, right? So, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're about a month away. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> yeah. so, let's talk about uh, when we first met, right? So, I think, uh, like, like I said in the introduction, we all went to, uh, or we all spent time at Nanyang Academy of Fine Arts in Singapore. <laughs> we are all in school uh, at different times. I think Terence is the one that uh, shared uh, a, a brief period of time with the both of us mm. uh, in his two stints at the school. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas, you and I were never in the school at the same time, although our path crossed every now and then. But, you know, interactions are few and far between, right? Do we not? No, when, I don't think so. When do you graduate? Uh, wow, twenty eleven. Then I think when I was in my first year, you were in your final year. I were think. you? Oh no, you graduated in twenty eleven July. Is it? So yeah. Oh okay, okay. Then no. So you yeah. just came in. Yeah, 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 left, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, yeah, don't scare me. Although if, <laughs> if you want to make me a little bit younger, that would be fine at all. But yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. So that that must be uh, at least that's what what I remember. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so. Terence, you must be like a year ahead of me in NAFA when I we were in school together. I think so. No, I, I remember, yeah, a year ahead. I mean, my math is terrible, so I can't quite calculate. But I I, I enrolled in NAFA's uh, Bachelor of Music course um, in 2012. So I started about August or September of 2012. And that's also where I got to know where I got to meet Nicholas. So, um, well, Nicholas, this is going to sound a bit grating, but my first impression of Nicholas was uh, at the orchestra rehearsals of Beethoven's Eroica Symphony. I think. Okay. Mm. And uh, I had this impression <laughs> that, you know, this, this trumpeter isn't very good. <laughs> mm. I mean, fair. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But I should also say the question is about you and Vincent. So, <laughs> the question, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I remember how I met Nick. Let's get back but... to that, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely remember how I met Nicholas, but this, this is the thing. I don't quite remember how I met you, Vincent. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we were just. We, I, I would say that our interactions were also. Um, I, there, there was not a lot of interaction between the both of us, mm. but uh, I think we live around the same region. Maybe there were like one or two, uh, train rides mm-hmm. late at night. Mm. Yeah, but this was <laughs> many years ago, right? I think. This was like diploma time. Well, yeah, yeah. This thing I can't quite remember. I'm so yeah. sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, no problem. So I was in the same batch as like Xiang Hong. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Now, now I got some a little bit of recollection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wei Chiang, you know, if you know, remember Wei yes, Chiang? Yes, definitely. Oh, yeah, I was in the same year as him. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Mm. But nah, no, no problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't socialize a lot when I was in school. I mean, I even right now, I probably have like three friends and that's about it. So, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely no problem. Yeah. So, so now, obviously, since our time in NAFA, each of us has gone on to do uh, largely different things. 
now both of you are overseas and some of us uh, worked a little bit before we went overseas. Some of us already finished our studies and we are living back here. So mm -hmm. uh, maybe, uh, Nicholas, you want to uh, share with us a little bit about your musical journey and your oh, okay. career development. Um, okay, so I, I think I started quite late actually listening to all of your uh, previous episodes. Um, be, before I before I continue, I must say I'm I'm always very impressed about how you're able to remember when the first time it was you met people, <laughs> and you've interviewed so many people, and you 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 can somehow remember like your first experience with them, which I I'm always like. How do you like? I almost feel like you choose your guests based on that. <laughs> if you can't remember how you meet someone, don't ask, don't get them on. <laughs> but um, the, the key is number one, uh, hoping that the guests don't really remember. Yeah. And then yeah. number two is to sound as convincing yeah, as saying, possible. Yes, yes. And then that's it. And that, yeah, of course, this is the, the first <laughs> yeah. time we met. Yeah. You know, yeah. if not, where, right? And yeah. stick by <laughs> it. Even if they come out with a different story, just try to gaslight them and tell them that your yeah. story is like, oh, right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah that's, I'm, that's, suddenly that's, I'm, listening, I'm listening to your podcast in a whole new light now. But <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so um, so I started quite late. Um, I only started music when I was in secondary school. So that was it when I was 13. Um, mm. And very, very typical. Um, I started in the school band. Um, I wanted to play percussion, actually. Um, but the percussion section at my secondary school which was huge. So the conductor decided to put me in the trumpet section, which I didn't mind because I thought like, you know, actually, well, it's, it's um, not, I mean... I kind of I think the trumpet does sound um uh to a certain extent quite classy um because it, it has this like sort of force but then um you know you can also uh play quite lyrical things in it. I mean this is obviously well, I have not have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Oh really? Um that was formulated after you know obviously when I was thirteen I didn't think that much, but you know no, no, no. But anyway yeah. um that was me. That, that's for to, my uh, my trumpet playing friends. That's for my trumpet. Playing friends. But yeah, <laughs> okay. Sorry, sorry to um, break you up. Yeah, yeah. I still, I still, I, I, I still stand by that. I think the trumpet has, you know, has both sides of 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 um, like uh, like have has two sides to it, um, which I mm. quite appreciate. So I didn't mind <laughs> to to put it yeah. simply. Um, and then <laughs> I, and then uh, I think. Two years on, so when I was fifteen, I so when I was in band, I really got in uh, into it. Um, uh, and then when I was fifteen, I told my mom that I wanted to uh start learning piano as well, because I think that's you know quite um quite a useful instrument to to get involved in music. Mm. So I started playing the piano only at fifteen, um, and then uh when I was and then you graduate secondary school, um, and then I thought, okay, I think I want to go into music completely like as in full time so that was right. when I learned I can't remember when how it was that I learned about NAFA but then I told my parents that I wanted to do music full time and and you know this was the institution to do it uh to yeah and then I uh went for the NAFA open day uh, with my mom and then uh was told that you know this is access course that we can do um mm. if we're not sure or we don't have like you know as much experience with music so um yeah at that point it was quite a bit about trying to convince them that i wanted to do this um because neither of them uh neither of them uh knew anything about music they don't play music um uh they never even went to you know any form of higher education so for them it was just like oh what is this foreign 
thing, higher education and even mm-hmm. more foreign music. Um, yeah, you mean you so, can study this? Yeah, so I had, yeah, so I, it was yeah. it was um, as much education for myself as it is for them. Um, so I had mm. to tell them, you know, this is what you do, and then uh, maybe if I go to this access course, I can t- I can tell you more. Um, mm. So so yeah, and, and then I enrolled in the access course, and then um, when I was at the access, when I was doing the access course, I uh, I so I went in as a trumpet player, and I uh, the first thing that I had to do was to change my embouchure. Um, because mm. you know everyone who went through secondary school has a um, messed up I'm sure. Um, yeah, because we're all self-taught and yeah, you know, we just yeah. yeah, whatever works, right? Whatever yeah, whatever. You know, as long as you can yeah. make a sound, yeah. Um, yeah. So to do that, um, the the uh, staff members, the faculty, the people at the faculty actually um, advised that I switch to euphonium. Um, I, I don't, yeah, Vincent, I don't know if you remember it or if you know about yeah. this actually. Um, it, it, but, were you? I, I think did, did Richard put it on the euphonium for a bit? Yes, yes, he did. Um, right? Yeah. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, and I mean, uh, so yeah, so it, for like, I think most, uh, for for uh, most part of the access course, I was actually on the euphonium. Um, mm. And I thought this was the first time I met you, actually. I think it might have been um, because you were yeah. still a student when I was at the, when I was in the, Access course. Access course. Uh, but yeah, you see, there was... you go. So I'm going to yeah. lean into your story now, right? So that <laughs> yeah, <a> plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I think I was having, uh, it was my first lesson with Freddie, I think. And then mm. I think uh, you came in afterwards. I can't remember if it was you or was it Don? Were you the same batch okay. as Don? No, yeah, no right? Don, was, Don was also uh, one of uh, Freddie's students, but he was not studying at NAFA. Oh, yeah. He was one yeah. of the, those guys from the youth orchestra. Yeah, he might have. Him. Yeah, he might have. It, it, I I can't remember if it was you or was it Don, but uh, one of you mm. came in after after um after um my lesson with Freddie, right, and then right. Freddie sort of introduced me to one of you. I don't know which one it was, and then he was like, "Nick is the new euphonium student." <laughs> little did he know, little did I know, but <laughs> yeah. but um, and then you just yeah. freaked like, "No, no, 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 no! Yeah. I'm absolutely not the new euphonium yeah, student." I mean, right? I mean, I did, I did enjoy it. Um, uh, quite a lot actually because obviously um, I was able to do a lot more with the euphonium at the time um, because I, mm. I was actually basically can't do anything on trumpet um, but then when I actually got into the actual course um, I thought actually no I want to I want to play in a I want to play in an orchestra and the only way to do that really is to play the trumpet um, or the trombone or any other brass instrument other than yeah. the euphonium I, yeah, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know why the other brass instruments didn't, didn't, were not options um, but right. yeah um, I guess because you know I came from trumpet so the only right thing was to go back to trumpet um, mm. and then I insisted I had to do another audition uh, for uh, Richard and I think uh, Dr. Dr. Go um, and mm. then yeah they they allowed me in and then played trumpet for three years um uh it wasn't an easy journey um because in my second year i actually had a um a, a spontaneous pneumothorax which is basically which basically means that my one of my lungs collapsed and i think lungs is probably not the best organ to collapse when you play the trumpet i think you know <laughs> your legs can go but not, but not your lungs or if you just want to 
stay alive, that's not yeah. great as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. That's, that's also mm. the other thing that we do. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, okay. So, so, so uh, I, didn't, I didn't know about this. So Yeah, yeah, yeah it was okay. quite, it was quite a it was quite a big um, quite a big blow actually. <laughs> Lol. But yeah, it was I think it was right after my second year exam uh, and then this I just felt very uncomfortable and then I immediately got admitted to the hospital um, and then had to do surgery. I was in the hospital for two weeks and then it was a whole six months um, recuperation period. So I didn't play much for my third year and which is also why I had to stay another half a year to do mm. my recital. So I so okay. after three and a half years um, uh, of um, being at NAFA, um, graduated um, poorly, but <laughs> did it. Um, mm-hmm. And then went on to uh, army, joined the SAF band. Fortunately, um, uh, yeah, it was it was quite a quite a quite a good experience actually. I mean, I I yeah, it was quite a good experience to play with the army band. Um, so did my two years there and then went to and then decided that um at that point decided that I really wanted to I wanted to do I still wanted to do music, but I didn't want to do performance. Um this I this sort of started before I went into um SAF Ben actually, because um obviously, you know, um I was also thinking what can I do after army? And the normal thing was, was was to go to uni, um, but to do what specifically? So I thought about um, at NAFA. I was quite um, interested in uh, all of the history modules. Whether or not I did well was another thing, but I was very interested in like the history and all of the uh, 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 academic modules, like you know the ones that we did with Dr. Tan, Dr. Lim, and Dr. Ko and Dr. Khan. Um, mm. They were they, they were all like quite. I mean, the things that we learned. In those modules were quite uh, fascinating, I think. Right. Um. So I just went to th- think about what um Dr. Khan and Dr. Ko actually did for you know after their um do, do for their studies, and I actually sat down with Dr. Khan and asked her about it, and she gave me some ideas and some insights as to what uh what an academic career in music is like, um. And she mm. was the one who actually recommended Nottingham to me as well, um. So I I, I thought okay I so I want to take this academic path um, in music um, and then the next decision was uh, what to what to specialize in because um, when you do an academic uh, when you do a music academia you usually have an area of um, uh, expertise like an area in music that you specialize in yeah and at the time I was quite uh, interested in film film music and uh, Nottingham had a film music expert um, and also film I, music expert yeah yeah so someone who's, okay. who who specializes in film music not not like right? composing but like you know academic studies so you know what does music do in film that kind of questions mm-hmm. um, okay um yeah so i so i decided to apply to nottingham fortunately got in and i mean another factor was also um another factor was also um i didn't because i knew that i didn't want to do performance i was very keen to look for universities that did not require performance as a uh, uh, um, sort of compulsory. Yeah, well, yeah. at least for the first year. A lot of universities in the UK still require at least one year of performance because uh, I guess they just want to give students a sort of holistic um, education and you know some people mm-hmm. go in not knowing actually what they want to specialise in so they want to give them a taste of everything but I was quite sure so I decided to find a uni that did not... Um, 
force me to waste time on performance. <laughs> so and Nottingham right. was, um, um, did not require that. So I thought, okay, Nottingham would be ideal. Um, and then uh, in my first or I think end of first year, uh, beginning of second year, I somehow got really interested in uh, Russian music of the 19th century. Um, I think it was mostly mm-hmm. it was mostly Tchaikovsky, probably, but okay. um, but yeah, I, I sort of got really so sort of got really interested in music of this entire period and all, all the social and cultural aspects of this period as well in Russia. Um, so then I decided to. Uh, I mean, I was thinking, what should, as usual, thinking about the next step. Um, decided that okay, I will I will go to somewhere where there's a Russian expert instead. Um, and mm. that place is uh, Oxford and, and um, amongst others. And yeah, so then after my undergraduate, um, came to Oxford to do my postgraduate. I did do the film music module at Nottingham, which I quite enjoyed. <laughs> and right. it went very well as well. Um, and the, the person who teach film is um, a very good friend, I guess, I guess you could say. No, mm. so, yeah, I wrote a lot right. of my references. I applied to a few... Uh, master's faces and I had to <laughs> get him to write right, all right. the references so very much in debt to him but yeah. Mm. yeah and the the process of you getting uh, say for example when you're in this sort of academic field mm-hmm. what is the prerequisite for you to enter a master's course then is it a matter of just your your grades or do you have to pitch a research idea uh, what what do you have to do um, so for masters, it's uh, it's still okay. Uh, so uh, you the grades are quite important um, apparently um, for mm. for an academic career. Um, mm. For masters, uh, it depend um, in terms of the other requirements. It depends on the university. So there are some that require you to submit a short research proposal. So you don't really. So for a research proposal, you don't really say what where you come from or um or like what you want to what you want to do uh, with this degree it's not so much about that it's about when you do your when you do research what is it going to be about um so mm. so for those universities you have to draft a research proposal say how you're gonna how you're gonna do research what you're gonna think about who who are the main people who have done research in this area and then mm. that but most of them will ask for a personal statement because they don't expect you at master's level to really know that precisely what you want to look into um and mm. so the personal statements would, would require everything that i just mentioned um for oxford particularly um they 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 ask for a personal statement and uh they do require for a bit of like they do require a bit of um information on what you intend to research on but it's not going to be um it it doesn't have to be you know um like you don't have to be really sure that that's what you want to do. I wrote something in my personal statement that I'm not no longer doing. So it it's more about also assessing um, how you think and and what you think really um, to get you in. And then after that, you can just you know take it your own way or you know with mm. help your supervisor. Yeah, right. and then apart right. from that, you need you know references from uh, your previous uh, educators or employers if you have been outside of education for a while um, and also mm. your cv and um, some of them a application fee <laughs> right right of course yeah. of course yeah yes yeah. mm. uh, one last question before we uh, go to terence uh, you mentioned something that i felt was quite interesting because it seems like your interest in music picked really quickly 
right? Mm-hmm. So it was like you start, you say it started in th- uh, when you were 13. Mm. And then very quickly in two years time, you decided that this was what you're going to be yeah. uh, studying in or spending more time with, right? For the future. Mm. So what, what what is this thing about music that kind of sparked this kind of interest in you so quickly? Um, I think, well, okay, I think there's two aspects to it. One is definitely the social aspect of playing in an ensemble. I'm very much an ensemble person or a yeah an ensemble person as as opposed to like a virtuosic soloist um, which is uh, yeah which is why I felt like sometimes when I was at NAFA it didn't fit me quite well because we were very much focused on solo performance Um, Mm. so I think um, for me one of the joys of music is playing in an ensemble um, to be you know creating this thing with other people Um, the other aspect might be a bit like philosophical but it's just about how um how you know what we see on the page um can become something that is so uh different i mean that uh, that's a bit abstract because you i guess no one has any idea of what actually becomes of the thing that you see on the page but Mm. um i think it's perhaps maybe the um uh like the force of the music if you like um, right. That, that is that is quite um, like to me strange, but in a good way. Like this is quite interesting how this happens, kind of, um, kind of way, uh, kind of mm. yeah. So I think those are two things that that really got me interested in music, and I I just thought okay, this is uh, this will be um, something that I want to occupy myself with for um, a lot of for, yeah for for a long time and. Mm, yeah, in it for the long haul. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so now, Terence, uh, yeah. tell us a little bit about uh, your entire musical journey and your career developments. Well, I think uh, given the breadth and the length of what Nicholas has said, I mean, it's hard to <laughs> say a little bit about <laughs> musical journey. But right. well, oh, I'll try. Yeah. So, I feel uh, bad now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had to write thousands, thousands of words for your essays, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny, I, I, I once... Uh, sorry, I'm just, never mind, I'm not going to say it. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, um, well, I, I got sent for music classes at the age of, like, three and a half, I think. Oh, wow. um, at, at, you know, Yamaha's uh, junior music course. I think that's what they called it, mm. the JMC back then. I mean, it might seem a bit early, but um, if you understand Yamaha's um, philosophy, I mean, and uh, whatever came out of their scientific research, they believe that that's the best time to actually develop a keen sense of musical hearing. And I, I think that really did it for me. I mean, um, well, I mean, uh, yeah. So uh, from then on, I actually started playing the electone. For those who don't know what that is, that's actually the... Yamaha's version of the electronic organ, electric organ, and um, well, you most people play a lot of pop stuff on it. So I mean, I did too, and it was just it was just part of my um, life. Then I mean, nothing, learning, yeah, nothing spectacular really. But I mean, well, the funny thing is, um, at about the same time, I got sent for music classes. My parents also sent me for art classes, and it was in the same 
it was in the same venue actually. So mm. um, my parents, my mom would recall to me that I would come out, come out of the music classes really happy and I'll come out of every art class crying. <laughs> I mean, I don't right. remember those details, but I do remember having that innate fear of having to, uh, of being told to color all the spaces in between, uh, mm. you know, fill in all the right, white spaces right. with crayon coloring. And I, I think I was very unhappy about that. But yeah. Uh, so, okay. um, so you've been quite a rebel since a young age. Huh? <laughs> I, <laughs> Yeah, yes. freedom of expression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, well, that didn't, that didn't really pick up until um, in secondary school where I joined the school band. Mm-hmm. So um, I got assigned to trombone. I don't think I chose it. I don't think we really had a choice. So I got assigned to trombone, which I still can play today, but maybe mm. not so well. Um, yeah, so... I, I learned a trombone at set one and in my in the, my school band at that time uh, the seniors had this very strange belief that one person per section uh, I mean one one person in every batch of trombonists must eventually learn the euphonium so when, nice. when it came to set two I was, I was somehow that person so well I got mm, okay. that as well and Actually, uh, mm. I, I don't regret that at all for reasons that I would uh, uh, expound on later. Um, and I remember that, I mean, this is the turning point of my life where in, in Sec 3, I think I started to take an interest in discovering um, musical compositions outside of the ones that I played in band because, I mean, there was only so many pieces that we played in band. I was interested to know mm. more about uh, what existed outside. I mean, then the Esplanade just opened then. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm that old. <laughs> yeah. It just opened then along Yes, with... yes, Terrence, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> along with the library, which got a lot of um, artists and mus- musicians actually excited. So I, I went to visit mm. as well. I remember one of the first scores I borrowed was uh, Vojak's um, Ninth. I mean, the mm. New World Symphony. I don't know what, what number is it now. I mean, I, I know it's classified, reclassified. I don't know. So, <laughs> right. so I remember looking at that score and thinking like, wow, look at all these instruments. And like, I'm, I, I remember the first thing I got really confounded over was like, why is the horn in F? And what, what, does, this, what does that mean? And you know, that time there was no Google. To just mm. Google what does horn in F mean. So I was really confused that, um, right, because I bought Nicholas just like sorry, Terence. Nicholas just chuckling. It's like, what yeah. age are you in? It's just like, yeah. No, it's no, it's more like <laughs> the way he the way he asked, like, what does that mean? Like, it's right, <laughs> like, what does that mean? And yeah, you know, <laughs> it sounded yeah. like it, it needed to be uh, like explored um, in a book rather than just <laughs> Google search. Yeah. Yeah, do so, we really know? Right. Do we still know what does a horn and F mean? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry if that sounded like a dig at horn players. It's yeah. not. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm so confused because I borrowed the CD and um, fortunately or unfortunately, I have perfect pitch. I think it's, I, I honestly think of it's a result. I honestly think it's a result <laughs> of the early Yamaha training though, not because of some genetics of sort. But anyway, mm. so mm. I was very confused that the pitch I saw on the score didn't correspond to the pitch that I heard and I got very mm. confused. And 
um, long story short, it took me like about two years to actually get used to reading a transposing score mm-hmm. because of the barriers of perfect pitch. But yeah, I've, I've devised my own way around that. But um, oh, okay, for you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's actually a way that perfect pitch is, can be a barrier yeah. instead of... Yeah, power. yeah, yeah. But, I mean, what that led to was um, I, I wanted to try writing my own stuff. And um, uh, I remember at the end of secondary three, I my my conductor, I'm not sure why she did that, but she, she asked me if I wanted to try like, arranging some um, Christmas songs for brass quintet i mean that was very strange because her idea was to have the brass quintet play um, these christmasy songs when this the set ones and their parents were coming in the new set ones of the next year were coming in a few days shy of the new year to attend certain talks and that kind of stuff so well <laughs> i mean that, she has very strange ideas but she's a wonderful person okay but, um, right, right i i I took up the opportunity and I, I that was my I think one of my first attempts at writing music for mm. other instruments. Mm. And by set four, in the middle of set four, I wrote my so-called first band piece, which I well, I mean, if anyone does research on my music in the future, it's not gonna be catalogued <laughs> and I think I should just burn burn the score. <laughs> ah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it was my first band piece and it didn't work. It really didn't work. Right. I mean, my conductor let me try it out with the mm. the band and it failed miserably. No one was able to play anything. But um, I think the result of these endeavors caught the attention of my conductor. And so um, mm. after my O-levels, um, I was actually quite determined not to go to JC, despite that being the norm uh, from where I came from. I mean, I studied, I mean, it's no secret I studied in Catholic High and everyone mm. there, at that time, would by default go to a JC. Mm, very academically driven, right? Now. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah, just not sense. one of those people. Um, <laughs> I want, I, but at the same time, I didn't know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't know where to where I could go. So, um, what caught my eye then was uh, Singapore Poly's new course, which well, it's not new by now. It's the a diploma in music and audio technology, the D DMAT in short. So well, mm-hmm. I thought maybe I could try that out. I mean, um, convincing my parents was not a hard thing to do because they, even though they were non musical themselves, my entire extended family does not dabble in music at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they believed that um, if I did something that I loved, uh, I would make it work. I would find a way to make it work. I mean, I I think I'm quite fortunate in that respect. That I didn't mm. have to fight very hard for that. But all the same, I didn't quite know what to do. So I, well, I just enrolled in the Singapore Police DMAC course. And I mean, it was due to start in April. And I was just f- fumbling around, enjoying life, I guess, post-O-level. Mm. In, in, in March, a very strange thing happened where my band conductor from secondary school, she called me up and then she said, she said, she called me by my Chinese name. I mean, that's how most of my mm. friends call me. You know, she said, Fei Yang, tomorrow, you bring whatever you have, whatever music you've written, you go to Nafa, you go and meet this person called Dr. Go. And I was like, uh, what is Nafa? What? <laughs> <laughs> is it the test that we do? Is it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, eventually it came to that. But I mean, I, at that point, I was so so confused. Like, what what is this Nafa thing? I mean, I had never ever heard of it at that point of time. And that was a... 
2006, I remember. Yeah. Mm. So I, was, I was so confused, but I mean, she insisted that I should go for it. It was out of the blue, really. But yeah, I mean, I discussed that with my parents. I mean, found out a little bit about NAFA and decided there was no harm trying because, well, to be honest, DMET, the DMET course that I was going to take um, had a lot of math in it and I was, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at math. <laughs> mm. Math, physics, and I was quite, honestly quite terrified of that. So, so I thought, you know, maybe I should just give this NAFA thing a go. So I went the next day, I brought all the stuff that I had written over the past two years. Um, which was mm-hmm. not a lot to show, but uh, so I met Dr. Zachariego, who is now the head of composition at NAFA and my, I would say, lifelong mentor. Well, I mean, mm. I met him, we had a short conversation. He decided that he would be willing me to accept me if I passed the theory test and all that kind of stuff, and which I did. So the rest is history, which, well, I won't leave it there. I will continue to explain. Um, mm-hmm. So I did, I, I eventually pursued um, the a diploma in music in majoring composition at NAFA. Yeah. Graduated in twenty and nine. I got into SAF band just like Nicholas, just a number of years before. <laughs> um, and after I uh, completed my national service, the thing is that I the, the, the NAFA just signed a new agreement with the Royal College of Music. Um, to mm. use the syllabus and then the certification for the bachelor's degree program would come from the RCM itself. So that was quite a prestigious thing and I remember seeing the news report about uh, Prime Minister Lee Hsien Long even being personally presiding over the uh, signing the, of the, the procedures. And the thing yes. is, I, I didn't actually enroll in the very first batch for <laughs> two reasons. One of it was was uh, way too close to my ORD day ORDs when I finished NS. And the other mm, one was like, okay. well, um, maybe it's a sour grapes thing, but it's more of, uh, okay, I mean, the first batch is going to have some teething problems, right? Okay, maybe I'll just enroll in the second batch where it'll get better by then. Mm. <laughs> so... Yeah, let them troubleshoot the first round first, right? And then after that, yeah. the, the second one will be yeah I mean, a little bit more stable some, in a way. Yeah, indeed, there were some teething problems, but that's not the point. So... Mm. um. I mean, meanwhile, I managed to find some work. So I um, I started teaching as a relief teacher, teaching music in the what was the Bishan Park Secondary School. And mm. I mean, it no longer exists. It's one of those schools mm-hmm. that has closed down and merged with Pierce Secondary. And right. I taught there for about nine months. Um, yeah, that's quite, some, quite a while. And all the while, I was actually the only music teacher there. <laughs> Uh, so mm, it was okay. quite a heavy workload. I mean, I was the the only thing that set me apart from the other full time teachers was that I didn't have a form class, and I didn't have the of course the, the crazy load of admin work they had to do. But in terms of um, full days of classes, well, I was there every day. So mm. yeah, I mean, that was quite the experience, which was also very eye opening because, uh, to be honest, having come from a educational background such as studying Catholic High um, I mean it was quite yeah it's quite privileged background actually so to see mm. less well-off students in um, Bishan Park was really quite humbling and I remember mm. making very good friends with the school counsellor who uh, will often make these house visits and she's told me that you know one of these homes that she entered you know the, the house the flat had absolutely nothing like not even a chair 
they they had nothing at home at all. So I mean, these wow. stories. I mean, they made me. I would say they made me a very much more empathetic, empathetic person, especially when it came to teaching classes of differing abilities and uh, knowing that students come from different, differing all kinds of differing backgrounds. Mm. Because the teaching of music, general music itself, was really quite the experience. And alongside mm. that, I actually, um, very very, I had a very, I developed very thick skin at the end of <laughs> December twenty eleven, and I just went up to this guy who's, I mean, you, we all know him as Adrian Chiang. So, I just went mm. up to him at uh, the end of a concert by the Victoria Junior College Band, which was taking mm. over then, as with a few other schools as well. So, I, yeah, I I just asked him, you know. Do you think I could like tutor maybe the trombones at Catholic High where you're taking over as the main conductor? Mm. And then he looked at me, and I mean, we, we were acquaintances then, but um, not really close. But I, I decided to just take that leap. And he looked at me and said, mm, "Well, maybe just not not just the trombones. What do you think about taking the the sec ones as well?" And you know, that's another part of my life where I would say, and then the rest is history because I ended up teaching junior bands. Um, of mm. the Adrian for yeah. a good eight years, I think. So, yeah, I mean, my math wow. is terrible. So, I mean, that's from 2012 all the way until um, almost the end of 2019, where I left all my work to come to the UK to study for a master's in Master of Music and Composition at the Royal College of Music. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, right. in between my teaching career, I, I also I juggled that with my studying for my bachelor's, which I graduated in 2014. I've got plenty of opportunities to write music for local ensembles, like the Singapore Symphony, which appointed me as their um, composer in residence for about, I think, three years, during which I mm. helped to organize this um, Young Composers Challenge, which I'm, I'm, quite, I'm honestly quite proud of, where we nurture mm. um, people who are young people who are interested in composition but may not necessarily have all the skills needed to, say, win a competition. So the focus right, is right. more nurture. Um, mm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking back, I'm, I'm quite grateful for all these opportunities so far where I've mm. had the opportunity to learn, the opportunity to teach, give back, opportunity to write music for many people in Singapore and well mm. I mean looking forward I hope to write music not just for Singapore but maybe outside of it as well I mean having made some good international connections while studying here at college yeah I hope to do more mm. than that yeah for sure and uh, I think of recent times the world is just so much more connected Right, where something sometimes in the past maybe we think that a particular idea is not very feasible. All of a sudden, now it's completely feasible through video calls and correspondence. So I'm sure uh, things would take off for you. Uh, a a question for you, Terence. Um, you know, you mentioned this idea that you've worked for an extended period of time before eventually uh, embarking on your current uh studies. Yep. Uh, in London. Yeah. Uh, I always find that it's a big challenge and I, I really have a lot of respect for people who have been working for a number of years and decided to put aside what they were doing to 
uh, improve on themselves and uh, you know go and further their studies or do something that would they think would benefit uh, them. So was it difficult for you to come to this decision to tell yourself that I'm going to take time out, leave my work that I'm doing behind and go study and live in London for two years and then eventually see what comes out of it at the end? Well, I mean, making the decision itself wasn't the tough part because it was actually something I, I told myself when I graduated for, with a bachelor's in 2014 that... Um, I was considering actually because looking at a lot of other fellow musicians who would graduate with a bachelor's and immediately go on to their master's, I thought, is that the path for me? Do I want to do that as well? So well, I was constrained by two, I was constrained by one thing, um, well, finances. But other mm. than that, I mean, even if finances wasn't weren't a problem, I think I wouldn't have done that anyway because I, I to be honest, at that point in time, I felt quite tired of studying. <laughs> That's a bit strange to say, yeah, but I, I, I was quite tired of uh, having the academic rigor that you know one has developed through all the way from early childhood all the way through studying for bachelor's, with the exception of two years of national service. But still, I thought that I wanted to go out there into the world, work first, see, gain some experience, and then when the when I feel that the time is right and I'm the the fire there's the fire in me again to want to return to studying, then I would study with with better capacity than if I would just jump straight in, in, into studying straight after my bachelor's. So mm. I already knew from then that I would want to take tackle master's and I actually knew where I wanted to do it, which is here at the Royal College of Music in London. But it was a question of when. So I think it was sometime in late 2017 that I I thought that you know I've amassed um, good finances um, I've got a fire in me again I'm ready to return to studying it's, it's not that I got tired of work don't get me wrong I mean work was very fulfilling I mean teaching mm. teaching secondary one kids year after year I mean some might find it a, a bit of a chore or they see it as a stepping stone towards becoming a full band director. But to me, it was my main job and I really enjoyed it a lot. And um, I, I forgot to mention that alongside that, I, I actually did part-time lecturing back at NAFA as well for composition-related mm. modules for about three years, part-time. So nice. um, when I made the decision to try to return to studying, because there was no guarantee. I mean, you still have one still has to pass on audition so I, I started putting in the work, knowing that it would take me a while to get back into that academic rigor. So I began really reading again, um, writing music more fervently and with the with really with the aim of getting a work out that was good enough, so to speak, um, to pass the audition at the Royal College of Music and um with the help of some of my mentors, with the help of friends who pushed me on, a supportive family who was, they, they supported me going back to study. So mm. by the end of 2018, I went for the audition. I, I I, got in. I mean, there was really no guarantee. I was told that, I was told not long ago that there were over 270 people who applied in my year for to get into the composition course and only nine of us made it through. So, Mm, um, nice. Yeah, 
that was yeah congratulations oh, that's that's really good really really good yeah yeah but i mean the, the point of this is that uh, it did take long-term planning and quite a bit of work mm. to get back into studying while working especially because working while teaching the kids honestly it's very draining I think yes, some of my ex listening to this and they say, oh gosh. <laughs> but yeah, it is very draining. Sometimes I am empathize with full-time teachers, really. I mean, when you go home, sometimes all you want to do is just sit in your sofa or lie on your bed and you just don't mm. want to do anything for the night. But yeah. um, knowing mm. that I had to write uh, a number of works for my audition, I, I knew that you know I couldn't afford to just slack off in that respect. Mm. So Right, right. Yeah, it was tough, but mm, I'm glad to say that it, the work paid off. And of course, um, this is not an advertisement for the National Arts Council, but I mean, <laughs> without, without that scholarship, I would not be able to come here financially. Yeah. Right. So now I think uh, let's get into this topic about a university versus conservatory, because I think mm. sometimes. Uh, potential students might be a little bit confused about these two schools. Uh, certainly, I know of uh, a friend that enrolled into a university and then realized that actually she's not um, very into this sort of more academic uh, route and then eventually uh, transferred into a conservatory in, a sec- in, uh, in her second year. So um, mm-hmm. m- maybe Nicholas... Uh, you're studying uh, in Oxford now in the university. So why don't you tell us like what is uh, the curriculum like in your school and what made you kind of interested in enrolling into a, a university rather than a conservatory? Well, I mean, I should also say that that story kind of um, is quite sad to me because okay. <laughs> obviously I, I'm in a university and that's um, like I, 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 I prefer the university education. Um, so what are the differences? Um, I, I would say, so I would compare it with my experience at NAFA because I think that's sort of a conservatory system, isn't it? Mm. Um, uh, as compared to that, um, at universities, you don't really, I mean, there are performance opportunities, but you don't, uh, it's not like the bulk of your work. Um, you're not like wholly assessed based on how you perform, whether solo or in a group. Um, it's given equal weightage actually um, um, with your, as compared to your uh, like other modules. You can also do composition uh, at my undergraduate course. Um, some people did, um, all three actually they did, um, academic music, which is, you know, those, you take modules where you do research and you learn about, um, you basically read a lot of books and you say a lot of things. Mm. Um, that's one aspect. Um, and then you also do composition, um, but you can also do performance. And uh, they at that time, my uni also offered um, music tech. So you, you can learn skills in studio recording and also um, studio production or music production rather. Um, so, Universities give you this flexibility of 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 trying different things, um, and but you can also spe- specialize if you want to go into one of them. I think if you want to if if you want to specialize specifically in uh, academic stud- in the academic study of music, then uh, universities would be the place to go to because you can't really specialize in that at a conservatoire mm. if if you do it will usually entail like the research of performance 
or the research of like um it might be something to do with like psych uh psychology or systematic musicology we call it like um to do with uh, how people appreciate performance or that kind of thing so it has to has to somehow uh, be related to either performance or composition mm, okay um but if you if you want to look into like the deep details of music history and um you know the figures that we study in music then um the academic course at universities is probably uh the path to take mm. um about how i decided to enroll well i was basically one of those that decided that i wanted to do this um conservatory uh and, uh, sorry i wanted to do this academic right. <laughs> take this academic path um i mean i think i was fortunate enough to have gone to, gone through um the nafa education because that was uh what um sort of got me to realize that i didn't want to do uh, i didn't want to have a performance uh career um I get the thrill out of performance, but to me, like it's the same thrill every time, and uh, I don't know how much of that will actually uh, sustain me for the rest of my life, mm. um, because it feels very samey after a while, at least to okay. me. Um, and also, when I was in that environment in Nafa, um, this is not a sort of dig at anybody, but I wasn't really into like chats about you know um this 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 performer performs this better or this performer performs this better mm. uh, have you heard this have you have you tried this mouthpiece size <laughs> right. have you tried this silver cloth that kind of thing i wasn't right. i wasn't very much you i mean, wasn't very into you mean we talk about other things <laughs> <laughs> yeah do, do we talk about other things well, other than those things that you mentioned i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> <Right>. well hmm. <laughs> questionable <laughs> right, right, right. but yeah i wasn't i wasn't really into that sort of uh conversation i mean i i think it's i think it's fair that bit that people are into and i admire people who are into that um because obviously we do need performers um we i would go so far as to say we need performers more than we we need academics um but uh personally it's not it's not for me i was i was more when i was doing when i was performing i was more interested in thinking about you know why haydn wrote certain things or why uh people who play the folk malaysian folk instrument sat down on the floor rather than on chairs to perform mm. i was more interested in that sort of areas of uh music than than actually performing it mm. and so that was what got me into uh thinking about music and thinking with music then about performing music and let me to choose the university path. Right. Did you ask about curriculum? Yes. So what what yeah, is okay, so uh, what do you have to do roughly what what are sort of modules that uh, you take on? Yeah, so for my course, so even though my like I said my undergraduate um course at Nottingham did offer uh performance composition and music tech course but I only did uh the academic courses um and these academic courses usually entail a lecture which it's sort of a one way thing where the lecturer just tells you you know um like what's happened or the theme of the week and what's what's been done in that area and then there will also be a seminar which um involves sort of discussion uh with both, both among students and with the module convener or the person teaching the module um, and usually you have to prepare some work before seminars you do some readings and then you share, share some ideas about um, what you 
share some of the ideas that you've got out of the reading and perhaps expand more and think about what how 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 much how we can take certain how we can follow certain ways of thinking um the whole idea of academia is that people are in a conversation there's not really a right or wrong answer because obviously times uh, change and and people's thinking change so it's an ongoing conversation conversation mm. And what we do in seminars is we contribute to these conversations, albeit in a very, you know, um, humble manner. Right. Like just what we think about this, what have people said, mm. do you agree, do you disagree, mm. that sort of thing. So we don't really, uh, there aren't um, uh, really wrong answers unless unless you say, no, I'm just going to stop with that. Right, there right. aren't really any wrong okay. answers. Okay, unless it's factual um, stuff, like years but, of composers and things like that, if you... I mean, that sort of stuff, right? I guess. I've once attended a seminar and like someone asked, "What is reality?" So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't right. even say that 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 factual stuff can be sort of absolutely uh, factual. Can be absolute. I yeah, see. yeah, can be absolute. So okay, um, yeah. So it, it's you know a lot of people obviously would say these things are very like fluffy and whatsoever, mm. but you know it, I think it's your personal, um, personal way of approaching right. it um, some people do thrive in that sort of um, very abstract and um, uh, way of thinking but personally I don't mm. um, and then currently at Oxford it's because it's a it's a dedicated uh, musicology course which is basically uh, an academic course um, it's only seminars we don't have we don't really have lectures anymore so every uh, every lesson is sort of a discussion rather than a one-way um someone giving you information mm. um yeah so it's a lot on but uh yeah so we we do have to prepare quite a bit of reading usually about 120 to 150 pages mm. before each seminar uh, but we only have once about once a week so it's not too I bad i see i see um it gets more intense towards the end when you actually have to do separate reading for your own coursework. Then you have to do two at the same time. That's a bit difficult. But at the start, it's okay. Okay. Right. Uh, but yeah, so it's a lot of reading and talking and writing. Mm. Um, not a lot of music making. But, yeah. You know, if you talk about music. Mm. So. Yeah. And do you find that uh, initially when you went over there uh, from Singapore, uh, mm-hmm. that you know in, in Singapore how how we are like we are a, a little bit reserved um, not all of us uh, but in general maybe we, because of our school system we are we are quite reserved we don't voice out we don't ask questions uh, very often mm-hmm. and when you go into this sort of se- seminar environments where you have to contribute quite actively in the conversation initially was mm-hmm. it difficult for you to get into the swing of things um not really, actually. I don't because um. So obviously, when I started in first year, a lot of things were quite simple, and um. Uh, I was well equipped with with the little music history things that we did in Nafa, mm. so it wasn't too hard for me to get into the conversation because I I would say know quite a bit already. Mm. Um. So I think, and then it just builds on that, you know. But um, I I do have this sort of tendency to um, filter my questions and make sure in my filter in my mind to make sure that it's really worth asking uh, before before asking because some people I, I think there is this environment here to encourage um, any sort of question whether or not it's really um, 
substantial, whether mm-hmm. or not it actually it, it addresses the core issue of, of what's being being said. Mm. Um, so I, I do have this filter of like, okay, only ask questions if it's if it's um, if it's uh, really worth it. And sometimes it can get quite intense. Um, but you know, some but then I see people ask like some really lame questions and like, okay, actually maybe it's not too bad. You know, I can just right, right. Um, if I'm curious, just just yeah, just ask. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think but in yeah. Singapore. I mean, as Singaporeans, we. I, I don't like to put this in a negative way, but I think it's the only way where we, we, we it feels as if we are very afraid of being judged or we're afraid of asking what might seem like wrong or silly questions to others. So mm-hmm. we would rather just yes. keep quiet and not ask and not know rather than ask yeah. and you know, actually get mm-hmm. answers yeah. or get guided towards the answers we want to know about. Mm-hmm. So I think that barrier isn't here uh, in the UK, and mm. at least um, from my personal experience as well. I mean, when mm. I attend the masters, composers, seminars, especially I mean when they were um, in person, um, mm. there would be quite fierce debates going about sometimes where <clears throat> two or even three people would have their point of view, and it could be directly opposing, and they would defend it very strongly. Um, mm. with no hard feelings at all. I mean, that was quite amazing to experience and not something I've mm, experienced yeah. in Nafa yeah. or in second. I mean, there are there are people who um, also, uh, it's sort of, they argue for the sake of arguing, um, which it's a, it's a thing, um, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. Mm. Um, but, you know, so obviously you don't want an idea to just, you like go off scot free without any, um, uh, th- I guess more thought um, is better than no thought, mm-hmm. um, or rather more challenge is better than no challenge. Um, it it sort of uh, strengthens, I guess, your idea if 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 it has gone through these filters, which come in the form of challenge and questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I think uh, sometimes as well. Um, I don't know whether it's just uh, the culture here, but uh. People tend to take any sort of disagreement uh, against them personally when they don't take it yes. against it as with the issue. Yeah, yeah. and I, yeah. I agree yeah. with this. Like, uh, it's really important to point out this. You defend it fiercely with no hard feelings. Mm-hmm. That after this yes. whole thing, you can go to the bar, you can have a pint, and we all have a good evening, right? It, it's not like yes. Yes. it's not like oh, I'm not going to talk to you because you said this about my idea in a particular class therefore you know obviously you don't like me or, or you know it's not mm-hmm. it's got yeah. nothing to do with that it's like absolutely not personal at all yes yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean yeah um i i completely agree that it's not quite the same here and uh i think it's also about this appreciating the diversity of uh, thinking and the kind of people that we have um that that allows people to be more um, they can sort of distinguish between this is a subjective issue and this is a personal issue. You have been listening to You Play A What, hosted by Vincent Tan. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends if you feel so inclined. 
The theme music for the podcast is entitled Midnight Affairs and is composed by Algirdas Matonis and recorded by Vincent Tan. Thank you so much for listening to You Play or What? Until next time. Thank you.